I would love to be able to stand up this morning and uh, let you know what the outcome of the next few weeks or months or years of our political uh, whatever it is at the moment, uh, but I'm not going to be able to do that. We live in confusing times. We are not sure whether by the end of the week we will be in or out or extended. Who knows? And this talk is certainly not going to give us the answers for any of that. If you do want to know uh, some thoughts on how to pray in the political climate uh, that we find ourselves in, can I encourage you to, to read the blog post that I wrote this week because the Bible does give us assurance. It does give us direction. It does give us ways that we can be in chaotic situations. So I do encourage you uh, to read that. And it's just five pointers for how we can live in times of chaos. But we've not only seen it on the political scene this week, we've seen it at our ports and with those who are trying to make it into this nation. We've seen the horror of what we can do to one another through careless actions where many die. For desperation on one people's part, trying to make it to a place of hope, of new life. And for others, a place of greed. We've seen the horror of what we can do to one another. And over this last few weeks, we've been thinking about a culture of hope, about the difference that it makes that we are a Christian community following Jesus Christ. We've been thinking about the fact that we are never alone, about the fact that we can have confidence in the gospel, that we are equipped to live differently, even though life will not be easy. And so this morning, we come to think about the wonder of the Word of God. I did have to look up the figures about just how much of a bestseller the Bible is. And to give you uh, a little idea of context... Lord of the Rings, which was published in 1954, um, and I think these stats, stats were compiled uh, about a year ago, uh, so the numbers will have gone up, uh, has sold a total of about 150 million. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, uh, published in 97, 120 million. If you take all of uh, that series that gets you up to about 500 million. The Bible, though, is in an entirely different league. I mean, yes, it's been round, around a little bit, but if you just take uh, the numbers from 1815 to uh, 1975, the Bible Society reckoned that two and a half million copies, two and a half billion copies had been printed. In fact, there are about 100 
million copies of the Bible sold or given away, so printed every single year. It's been translated into 698 languages so far. Parts of the New Testament have been translated into 1,548 languages, and there are portions of the Bible in another 1,138 languages. I don't know about you, but I don't speak all of those languages. It is amazing. With a total of over 5 billion copies of the Bible that have been uh, printed or prior to this, written out. The Bible, as the Guinness World Record holder, hold, uh, book, Guinness, that's not come out well, but you know what I mean. In 1995, declared that the Bible was the world record holder for the most printed book. I wonder, though, if you can recognize what type of writing uh, these things might be. And I did this um, with Rendezvous the other a uh, couple of weeks ago, and, and they enjoyed it quite a lot. Uh, these are all writings on uh, World War II, uh, uh, sorry, World War I, and uh, I wonder if you can recognize um, just what type of writing they are. I'll start you off with an easy one. Bent double like old beggars under sacks. Knock-kneed, coughing like hags, we cursed through the sludge. What sort of writing is it? Poetry, of course it is. Uh, this one, uh, just a few lines to let you know I'm all right, hoping you are the same. At the present time, we are in dugouts. The weather is simply awful, raining all day. What sort of writing? A letter, of course, uh, what about this one? Obviously, not at the time. Uh, Allies' victory celebration continues here. Tanks park passing, hashtag Buckingham Palace, hashtag London. Any ideas? It's a tweet of World War I, obviously not written at the time. Uh, this one. A network of interlocking alliances enlarged the crisis from a bilateral issue in the Balkans to one involving most of, the, most of Europe by 1914. The great powers of Europe were divided into two coalitions. And so it carries on. What sort of writing? Historical, yeah, very good. Uh, what about this last one? The total number of military and civilian characters it's a bit cold and my mouth is not warmed up. The total number of military and civilian casualties in World War I was around 40 million. There were 20 million deaths and 21 million wounded. What sort of writing? Statistics factual. Do you know, the Bible is wonderful. It is filled with all of these kinds of writing. And dependent on how you are wired, there will be different bits of it that will delight you. 
some of the lists in the first five books of the Bible, for some of you, those will be the things that you read and you're fired up by these lists of people and, and things that were brought to build the temple. Some of, uh, some of uh, the other writings where, where it's poetry in the Psalms or songs, those will be the fi- things that resonate with your soul. Or at the wedding that we had here yesterday where we uh, had Song of Songs read, uh, which was quite steamy. Uh, That might be the kind of thing that really fires you up. Or maybe it's one of those letters from a prison. The Bible is this wonderful, rich library of writings. Let me give you a couple of opening lines and just see if you know what book they are from. Uh, I'll start you off gently, by the way. If you don't get this, um, then uh, then I need to buy you a present, probably. (laughs) You'll get it. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. And the book is? Yeah, excellent, of course. What about this one? Uh, This is slightly more tricky, but some of those uh, you who have had young children might uh, know this. In the light of the moon, a little egg lay on a leaf. Yes, excellent. Uh, And again, for those perhaps with uh, kind of uh, pre-teen kids, First of all, let me get something straight. This is a journal, not a diary. All close, diary of a wimpy kid. Uh, And this one. The sun did not shine, it was too wet to play, so we sat in the house all that cold, cold, wet day. Come on. Yes, it is, Sally. It's the cat in the hat. And the last one, this should be easy as well. They were not railway children to begin with. (laughs) Oh, 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 you got it, okay. And then, of course, this one. In the beginning, God. You know, opening lines of books can tell you an enormous amount of of the direction that they are going. And the Bible begins with this wonderful phrase, in the beginning, God. This is a wonderful book about the living God and his uh, relationship with people. I don't know whether you remember your first Bible I can remember being given uh, my first leather-bound Bible for my confirmation when I was 15 years old. And I, it didn't have a concordance in it. It didn't have a kind of cross-reference thing. And at that point, as a 15-year-old lad, my, my brain was kind of going slightly wild for trying to connect up Scripture And I've still got the Bible at home, and I ended up gluing in post-it notes into this Bible to be able to cross-reference other bits. And I also ended up, uh, at that season in my life, bumping into all sorts of people who um, were from uh, 
faiths that were close to Christianity, but not close to Christianity. So I seem to spend a lot of my time um, uh, on the Cathedral Green in Exeter talking to Mormons or JWs. And uh, I began to um, just to try and connect up different verses and write connecting verses that when I spoke to them, I could then share these verses with them to help them to come and understand that salvation was a free gift from God and that Jesus really is, was and is God. I wonder what your journey with Scripture has been. You see, in Timothy it says this, that all Scripture is God-breathed, that it is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that we may be equipped for every good work. I'm sure that there are bits of the Bible that you are uncomfortable with. I'm sure there are bits that you kind of think, I, I, I'm not sure why that's in there. I don't understand it. It doesn't seem to make much sense. But I hope, I hope that you haven't torn any of the pages out. I mean, I don't just mean physically, I mean mentally. Because you know, when it says in Timothy that it is all Scripture is God-breathed, that also includes the bits that we don't yet understand. The bits that we haven't made sense of and may in this lifetime not make sense, make sense of. But it is all useful. It is all God-breathed. That means that there has been this partnership between the Almighty God and human beings to write this stuff down. And I wonder when the last time you allowed yourself to be corrected, rebuked, trained in righteousness by God's Word. It might be that that's the thing that you take away from this week would be to say to the Holy Spirit, okay, <laughs> where do you want to teach me this week? Is there something that I haven't been listening to? Because I want to learn. You see, the Word of God is supposed to go with us. It is supposed to be a light for our feet, a light on the path to give us direction, especially when we find ourselves in a, in a world that is confusing. Psalm 119 says that the, your word is a lamp for my feet. And folks, we need some lamps for our feet at this time, don't we? I love these verses from Romans chapter 12. And, and actually, they're directly about living a life of worship. But in verse 2, it says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That not only happens as we worship, it also happens as we read the Word of God. As we allow His Word to be held up against the things that we think and that we do. So that we can be transformed. So our thinking can literally be changed. 
In John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40, it says this, You study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I don't know whether you remember the illustration in Alpha. Let me tell it to you about Megan. There is a wonderful book about Megan, my wife. Chapter 1 is her great beauty. Chapter 2 is her creativity. Chapter 3 is her sporting achievements. It's quite a short chapter. (laughs) Chapter 4 or 5, I've lost count, is her amazing ability as a mum. And so this book could go on. It's a wonderful book and I encourage you to read it. But if you only read the book and you don't actually meet Megan in person, it won't have done you much good. And if we approach the Word of God as an academic exercise and we pull it apart and we try and understand, those things are good, they're good things to do to wrestle with Scripture. But the whole point of the book is that we come to know the living God is that we come into a fullness of relationship with Jesus. Not just information, but the revelation of the King of Kings. This is what makes the difference. This is what gives us hope as we go through the world, even with the difficult things that we see. This is what gets us through the night when uh, the little one is crying. This is what gets us through the night when we're worried and concerned because we feel like we're aging or we're worried about an illness. It's the fact that we don't just have information, but we have a revelation of who he is, and we know that Jesus is with us. I love these verses from Isaiah chapter 9. And I think they're especially uh, relevant for now. Verse 7 of chapter 9 says this, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. You know, there is another government other than the one that we have in place that is over our earthly system, and that is the government of the King of Kings. And as followers of Jesus, we have citizenship of another country. We are citizens of heaven, and His kingdom His country, it knows no geographical or political boundary. And in it, we become ambassadors for peace and for life, for the sake of all. So my hope and my prayer for you, for me, is that these verses from Hebrews 11 would resonate with us. That by having faith, we would be confident in what we hope for. And we'd have assurance about what we do not see. That we'd have hope for the future. But also that we'd have peace in the present. 
that we would know the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guarding our hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. So let me leave you with this one question. What are you going to fill your mind with? As you go into this week, what are you going to fill your mind with? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your living word. Thank you that you are the truth that sets us free. And Lord, help us to fill our minds with your word, not just for information, but for a fresh revelation of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.